This is the New Song Church podcast. You're listening to a service from our church in Oklahoma City. Wherever you're at today, we hope this helps you to better know God and to practice the way of Jesus. Now here's the message. Well, well. How's everybody doing? Good to see you this morning. Hey, would you help me welcome everyone that's joining us online this morning? I'm grateful for online. Last week, our potties were down, so we couldn't have church, but we're back, and you came to church this week. Okay, okay. A lot of people in this room. Services have been full all weekend. So good, so good. Hey, if you got your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 6. Got a Bible or a Bible, some kind of device with a Bible app on it. Go to Matthew chapter 6. You can get your Being Transformed journal out so you can take notes. You can also follow along with me this morning in our, our new song app. Man, we had a great men's retreat this weekend. So, so good. How many guys were there? If you were there, give me a what? Yeah. We had a great time. I want to I thank all the, the women in these men's lives. Yes. Who, uh, yeah, that was, that was kind of pathetic, but anyway. <laughs> Still struggling with that clapping thing. We'll get it. We'll get it. <laughs> but for real, thank you so much for uh, batting down the hatches while they were gone and taking care of, of uh, hopefully, hopefully when they were gone, you had to work a little harder. I hope that was the case. If not, guys, let's step up. Okay. You should be missed. All right. Um, but hopefully we're, we're bringing you back some men who are better than how you sent them off. And, uh, and also, guys, if you were not able to come because of whatever reason, uh, on the, in the uh, New Song podcast, we'll have all of the messages up this week. So make sure that uh, you check those out and mark your calendars. October next year, we're going to do it all over again. It's really cool. We, we've seen so much growth. The first men's retreat we did three years ago, four years ago, we had 40 men. 40 men. Um, then we had COVID year. That was interesting. Then we had last year, we had about 70 men. This year, we had 140 men that came out to men's retreat. So yeah. So I'm sure next year, we're going to have to rethink a little bit of how we're doing this, but we continue to keep doing it. I was like, next year, I want to roast like a hog over a fire, right? I want so- something needs to have an apple in its mouth getting burned. Like that's, let's go. Let's go. Going to be really good. All right. We're in a series called Stronger. We're talking about this must be stronger than that. And we've been looking at the things that, that in order for us to be the people we're called to be and, and, and express God's kingdom. You know, there's two kingdoms that are at work in the world. There's the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of, of this world, a kingdom of darkness. And God has called us as his people of light to bring his kingdom rule into the darkness. But in order for us to do that, there are some thises that have to be stronger than some thats. There's some stuff that needs to be in us that's greater and stronger than the things that are going on in the world. And so it's been a great series. We're concluding it today with, I think, what is probably the most important, like, linchpin thing in this whole series. And that is this idea. I'm preaching on the subject today of secret place must be stronger than the public place. The secret place the place where you, you slip away to connect with God, to, to just you and God one-on-one, connecting with him, connecting with his word, connecting with his voice. If we're going to be who God's called us to be, that must be strong. The secret place must be stronger than the public place. Matthew chapter 6, we are going to camp out in this verse today. Matthew 6 verse 6, I'm going to give you some rhema that God gave me this week on this. 
So buckle up, let's go. Matthew 6, 6, but you, somebody say he's talking to me. But you, when you pray, not if you pray, when you pray, go in your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father. Somebody say, he's my father. Who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes. Lord, we come to you today and we come to your word and we thank you for what your word is. We recognize it for the value that, that we place on it. Lord, it is, it's incredible that we, we have your word. It's a precious gift. And so we come to your word today and we ask you to speak to us today through it. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint me for this moment to communicate what you've placed on my heart in a way that comes alive to every individual in this room. I pray that there would be an impartation of the things of God in the hearts and minds of each individual here today, that every person here would leave with a sense of, man, that felt like it was for me. Lord, only you can do that. And so, Holy Spirit, we say, come. We say, have your way. We want to we leave better than how we came into this place. Give us a revelation of the secret place and the role it plays in our life. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to take you back for a moment to your elementary school age days, those grade school days. For some of you, this was a while ago. For some of you, this maybe wasn't that long ago. But I want you to go back there. And I want to take you to a game we used to play and an activity that we used to do. The game we used to play was a game called Hide and Seek. And the activity that we used to participate in from time to time was the activity of Show and Tell. How many of you remember these things? A few of you in here. How many of you right now are going, what is he talking about? <laughs> right, nobody. Because this is like simple, easy stuff. We all did it. We all participated in it. We can all relate to it. But for the sake of the message, let me take you back a little bit and talk about these things with you. All right, so there is the game of hide and seek. Hide and seek is played as follows. You have a group of children who come together and they establish a seeker. There's one person who is going to be the seeker. And, and, and from the agreed upon playing field of hide and seek, the seeker goes to an agreed upon location to avert their eyes from the people who are hiding and to begin to count while slipping a Mississippi in between each number. <laughs> one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, and so on and so forth. When they arrive at the agreed upon number of counting, they shout out in a loud voice, you know it, ready, here we go, one, two, three, ready or not, here I come. And then they begin to commence in finding those who are hiding. Now, while they are doing the, the seekers doing the seeking thing, uh, the hiders are doing the hiding thing. While they're counting, the hiders are going into the agreed upon location of hide and seek play, and they're finding spots where they can conceal their presence from the hiders so as not to be found. So in simple terms, uh, the seeker is seeking the hiders, and the hiders are hiding in such a way as to not be found. We've all played it. It's really a lot easier than how I just explained it, and that's why people have been playing it for a long, long time. Every generation plays it. In fact, I, I read this week, the earliest form of this game goes back to about 200 years before Jesus was born, hide and seek. Then there's the activity of show and tell. Show and tell works like this. You have your teacher who comes up to you and says, you have been afforded the opportunity to stand in front of the class and to show us something that you value and to tell us all about it. So you remember when you get this opportunity, it's awesome. You go back to your house, you start digging through your toy box, looking at all your stuff to figure out what is the thing that you can bring to show and tell that's going to impress everyone. Right. 
And a great show and tell experience happens. And like, then there's like a buzz on the playground. People are talking about what you showed them and what you told them. And they're saying, man, can you believe they have one of those? And if you do a really good job, somebody is going to say, lucky, right? (laughs) Now, I remind you of these things because I think one of them kind of represents the culture in which we find ourselves living today. And I think the other one represents the, the mentality and a practice that's necessary to thrive in the culture we find ourselves living in today. So let's start here. The culture we live in today is a show-and-tell culture. How many of you would agree that is true? We live in a world where we champion the public place. We champion things being out in the open and seen, and we want to impress people with our life. The world we live in today, I would say the, the, the mantra of the, especially young people today in the show-and-tell world is, I see, I do, I share, right? It's a show-and-tell world. And in the show-and-tell world that we live in, the goal in the show-and-tell world is similar to that which we had when we were in elementary school doing the activity of show-and-tell. We want to impress people. We want to impress people with who we are. We want to impress people with what we have. We want to impress people, and hopefully maybe somebody will look at our life and say, man, lucky. Now, here's the thing. The idea of living a show-and-tell life is not a non-biblical concept. It's just the end goal is different in the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of the world. In the kingdom of the world, the idea of show and tell is all about, I want to impress people by them looking at me, focusing on me, seeing what I have, and they're impressed by me. In the kingdom, the show and tell life God has called us to points people to God. In the kingdom of God, we point people to the goodness of God, the favor of God, the faithfulness of God, and we impress people with the fact that they can have this same God in their life as well. God wants us to live a show and tell life where we show people the nature of God, the love of God, the heart of God, and we tell people that there is good news and it's, and it's all, the foundation of it is Jesus Christ. There's good news. I hope you know there's good news. The good news of Jesus is there's a plan We're not just here by accident. Peace is possible. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. You can have peace. There's a a favor you can walk in in your life. God has a plan. He's got a future for you. He's got got good news. And this good news is all foundationally built on Jesus. So here's, here's why God brought me to these two games this week. Because in order for us to live the show and tell life, first of all, we have to live the hide and seek life. Where we we slip away. And we hide with the Lord and we seek a a real connection with him so that from that place, we can receive all that God wants us to receive so we can go back into the world and we can show what needs to be seen and tell what needs to be said. So so here's the idea today. And I'm going to keep coming back to this. You're going to hear this over and over again. You need to get to the secret place. You need to get to the secret place. The secret place must be stronger than the public place. So let's talk about it. What is a secret place? How do we access it? What does this look like? What's the point here? How do we do it? All right, back to Matthew chapter six, verse six. But you, somebody say he's talking to me. But you, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. If you're taking notes, here's a, here's a definition of the secret place. The secret place is where you get alone with God and spend time in fellowship with him. 
The secret place is where you get alone with God and you spend time fellowshipping with him, connecting with him. It's the place where you privately commune with God. And I want you to notice where Jesus starts as he begins this verse. He says, when you pray, not if you pray, not if you happen to find yourself accidentally praying. No, 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 because that ain't going to happen. Just so you know, it's when you pray when you pray. In fact, in verses five, six, and seven of Matthew six, he says, he makes that statement when you pray. So here's the idea. Disciples of Jesus pray. It's just what we do. In fact, Martin Luther has this quote. I love it. He says, as it is the business of tailors to make clothes and the business of cobblers to mend shoes, so it is the business of Christians to pray. So understand this, the, the, the secret place is a place of prayer. The secret place is a place of prayer. Now, here's the problem. If you don't understand prayer, then you're not going to really be able to engage with it in a way where you can receive all that's really there. The Bible says this. It says that people are destroyed because they have a lack of knowledge. And I think when it comes to prayer, a lot of people are being destroyed. They're missing out because they don't fully understand what prayer is. They have an idea of what it is, and they may be practicing parts of it, but they're not fully understanding what it is. So let's define prayer. Because if the secret place is a place of prayer, we need to understand what prayer looks like in the secret place. So here's a biblical definition of prayer. Prayer is to offer a devout petition of praise or thanks to God. Now look at this. To enter into spiritual communion with God. That word communion means it's an exchange of feelings. It's an exchange of thoughts. Now a lot of people when it comes to prayer, they get the first part. Prayer is where I go and I thank God and I bring petitions to him. Okay, so God, I'm praying like, thank you for, you know, dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for that. Thank you for my family, my life, you know, that I'm here. Thank you. Like we, we get that. Like, Lord, I, I got, I got some stuff I need. <laughs> like we get that part of prayer pretty good. God, this is like, I need you to show up. I need you to do this. I need you to fix this. I need something here. Like we, we get, most of us get that part of prayer. And listen, that's a part of prayer. That's not bad. That's not wrong. But there's another part. We miss out on the second part. Look back at it. It's, it's to enter into spiritual communion with God. Communion. An exchange takes place. Listen, in prayer, there should be an exchange taking place. You should be exchanging some of your feelings for what God feels about you and how he loves you. You should be exchanging some of your thoughts for the thoughts of God. There should be an exchange. In other words, there should be a conversation taking place. See, a lot of people, when we think of prayer, we think prayer is a monologue at God. Prayer is not a monologue at God. God did not design prayer to be just a monologue where you just kind of throw stuff at him. He designed it to be a dialogue with God, where you talk to him and check it out. He talks back to you. God wants to talk to you. And let me just tell you something. He wants to do this from a place of intimacy and relationship. That's why we talk about it here at New Sound Church. You want to help people know God, not learn about God, know him. There's a God who longs to be known by you, who longs to walk in relationship with you. Look at this verse, uh, Psalms 25, verse 14. It says the secret. We're talking about the secret place, right? Okay, cool, cool, cool. Just making sure. Okay. The secret of the sweet and satisfying companionship. I love that. Sweet and satisfying companionship of the Lord. Have they who fear. Now, fear doesn't mean you're like, oh my gosh, God is going to bust me with a lightning bolt. That's not it. It's that you revere him. You worship him. Have those who revere God, who, who worship him. 
And he will show them his covenant and reveal to them its deep inner meaning. Another translation says it like this. There's a private place, a secret place reserved for the devoted lovers of Yahweh where they sit near him and receive the revelation secrets of his promises. I did some, some study on this. And the, the idea behind this verse is, is like God is sitting on a couch. And as a father, he's calling to his children and he's saying, hey, come sit right here next to me. Let's get close because I've got some stuff I want to talk to you about. I've got some secrets I want to reveal to you. Isn't that awesome? And let me just remind you, this God that's inviting you, this father God that's inviting you to sit next to him, it's God like the creator of heaven and earth, the giver of all life. That God is saying to you, hey, come get real close to me. Like sit in my lap. I wanna, I wanna be near my child. You're my child and I'm calling you to this intimate place of communion with me. I got some secrets to tell you, so come sit next to me. You know, when you're in a relationship with someone, you talk to them and they talk to you. That's just how it works. Like my kids, every night at dinner, we talk. Like, we don't just stand there looking at each other. We talk. And so one of the things me and Sarah do is we ask a lot of questions to our kids because we want to get them talking. How was your day? What did you do? What, what, who'd you sit by at lunch? What are you learning about at school? We ask our kids every night, what, what was your peak in your pit? That means what was the highlight of your day? And did you have like a, a, a moment, like a low moment of the day? We, we talk to our kids. We're, we're probing them to get them to ask us some questions because, because we're in a relationship. And when we love them, we, we want to know what's going on in their heart, what's going on in their thoughts, what they're facing. We care about those things. Listen, God is your father and he loves you. He loves you better than I love my kids. And he wants to know what's going on. He wants to get into the nitty gritty things of your life and hear from you. And listen, it's not that he doesn't know. You know, when I'm talking to my kids at the dinner table, I'm asking them questions because I don't know what's going on. But it's, it's not that he doesn't know. He knows what's going on. He just needs you to voice what's going on because it's through voicing that in prayer to him that you give him access to come in and help you. That's how prayer works. Prayer is access to God. He won't go where he's not invited. Prayer says, God, you're invited into my life. So I'm welcoming you in. But it's not just that he wants you to talk to him. He wants to talk to you. Like how weird would it be if my kids were sitting around the dinner table and, and, and we're asking them questions and they're talking and then they ask us questions and we're just like, no, like this doesn't work that way, guys. We're a holy, perfect parents who cannot hear from you. No, no, no. We're going to talk to our kids. If they have questions for us because we love them, we're going to give them answers specific to what they're asking us. And, and when, we, when they're talking, if we hear them saying stuff and it doesn't really agree with what we think they should be doing or there's some advice we want to give them, even if they don't ask, because they've started talking to us, we're going to butt in and we're going to go, hey, you need, to, you need to do that a little different. You need to think a little bit different. I think you may, let, let, I would handle that this way. This is what God wants to do with you. Let me say it like this. God wants personal time with you. Let me say it like this. God wants, like with me, God wants Josh time. And you can put your name in there. God wants real personal time with you. We serve a real, living, personal God who gave us his word, and his word is amazing. 
And his word is, a, is, is this incredible gift he's given us that's the foundation of everything we do. But along with his word, he wants to speak a specific word to you that agrees with his word about your specific situation. But you cannot access that specific word if you're not in the general word. And in the general word, you learn you gotta get to the secret place. So listen, you need to get to the secret place. You need to create room in your life so that God can communicate with you, so he can share the secrets that he desperately wants to share with you in your life. You need to get to the secret place. Back to verse six. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who's in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Notice two phrases there. Go into your room, and when you have shut your door, now, here's the understood idea behind both of those phrases. You're the one that has to do it. You're the one who goes to your room and you have to shut your door. And when Jesus would have been explaining this to the people of the day, they would have understood that Jesus was talking about a specific place in their house that was devoid of distraction. It would have been like a room where there was no windows and a lockable door. Why? So you could go into this secret place and, and leave the rest of the world behind. Leave the distractions of life behind. If you're truly going to connect with God in the secret place, you've got to deal with the distractions of life. Now, how many of you would agree that we live in a world where there's a lot of distractions? I mean, our mind is going all over the place all of the time. Now, how many of you in here have a smartphone? If that's you today, I want you to lift up your hand. You guys are like, I don't know if I should do that. You all have one. How many of you have your smartphone with you? Be proud, be bold. There you go. All right. Well, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, okay? But I do want you to understand something about your smartphone. Your smartphone is making you dumber. Like for real. Like that's not just a cute phrase. For real. Psychologists are learning that we have now trained our brains to depend on our smartphone so as not to use our brain to think in a critical manner. We've learned now, I don't have to know stuff because my phone knows stuff. I don't have to really put this to memory. I don't have to really think about this very hard because everything I need, and think about how twisted this is. I'm not saying your, your smartphone is the antichrist, but God created you when you don't know what to do that you would go to him. But what we've learned to do is we've learned to go, I don't know what to do. What does my phone, what does my phone say? What does WebMD say? What is the culture saying? What are they saying in politics? What's going on over here? And we've done this in such a way that now they say, psychologists say, our phone calls to us. But it's not that your phone is calling to you. It's that your, your brain calls for your phone. So you can be in a room like this and your brain's going, you need to see what's going on on your phone. What's going on in the, with the game? What's going on with on social media? It calls to you because you like that little dopamine hit you get when somebody likes your post or, or you get that information you're looking for. And because we've so trained our brains to depend on this, we look at our phone like a crutch because, man, we are on our phones. Let me give you some stats on your phone. On average, Americans check their phone 262 times per day, once every 5.5 minutes. On average, people spend three hours and 15 minutes on their phone every day. 71% of Americans say they check their phone within the first 10 minutes of waking up. 74% of Americans feel uneasy leaving their phone at home. I mean, you ever had that moment where you're like, oh my gosh, I love my phone. You have. 
This one's interesting. 48% of people say they feel a sense of panic or anxiety when their cell phone battery goes below 20%. <laughs> well, let me just tell you, someone that, that that's not affecting is my wife. Her phone lives at like 6%. Lives there. It's like driving when you're almost out of gas. She lives for it. 45% say that their phone is the most valuable possession. And I threw this one in there just because this is something you need to know. 43% use or look at their phone while on a date. Hey. Be better. Young people, listen. You're on a date, put the phone away. Look at the human across from you and engage with them. Married couples, well, we go on a date and then you stand there. I've seen you. You're on a date with your spouse and you're sitting there and you're both just looking at your phone. There's a human across from you that God joined you together with in marriage. Okay, I'm gonna get off that soapbox. But we've rewired our brain with this thing because we live in a show and tell world and because we've, we're so dependent on this thing, they actually say that there's, a, there's like this aversion to being away from our phone. So get this, we've created within ourselves an aversion to this idea of sneaking away to the secret place and connecting with a holy, amazing God who's calling to you and saying, hey, would you come sit by me? I got some stuff I wanna tell you. Like how sad is that? Because we're so afraid of what we might be missing in the world, we're actually missing out on what God wants to do, what God wants to say, what God has. So what does Jesus say? He says, but you, he's talking to you, but you go into your room and when you have closed the door, locked yourself in that room, here's what Jesus is saying. You gotta do everything you can, like get deliberate to cut out the distractions so you can get in the secret place and connect with the Lord. So here's my question for you. What do you got to do to get in the secret place with the Lord and get rid of the distractions? Here's probably something. Don't take your phone with you there. You know, this is one of the reasons why the Being Transformed journal is a paper journal. Like we, we didn't put it on the app on purpose because we want you to take that paper journal and with a real paper Bible, we want you to go connect with God so that while you're trying to connect with God, on your app, that you don't have these notifications that are pulling you away from this connection with God. You're not hearing about what's going on in the government and what's going on in the world. See, like, it, it's interesting. Jesus says, when you go to pray, if you got a problem with a brother, you need to go deal with that. Why? Because Jesus knows it. you can't really pray and connect with God the way you're supposed to if you got problems with other people. Because here's what you do. You say, hey, the person that I'm mad at, would you come into the secret place with me? And you sit right here, Lord, I love you. Not a good thing. Some of you, you're hauling Biden and Trump into the secret place with you. Not a good idea. The only reason they should be in there is because you're praying for them. Deliberate, premeditated, purposeful steps need to be taken to create a distraction-free environment because there's a real living, loving God who wants to connect with you in the secret place. So what do you need to do? Back to verse six. Am I helping you this morning? Yeah. But you, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who's in the secret place. Now look at this. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. 
I want you to notice something. There's a reward that comes with going in the secret place. And notice where the reward takes place. The reward from the secret place takes place in the public place. Because see, here's, here's how it works with God and with, and with your life, whether it's with God or with this world. The fruit on display exists because of the root that's hidden away. The fruit that's on display in your life exists because of what you have rooted your life in. So, so here's the thing. There's two kingdoms at work in the world, right? There's the kingdom of God. There's the kingdom of darkness. And what we do, so you know, the kingdom of darkness, that kingdom, that other kingdom, that kingdom's still under a curse. Like Jesus has redeemed us as Christians. We've been redeemed from the curse. But, but there still exists a curse in this world. That's why there's all this brokenness and sin and destruction. That's why all that exists. So understand this, when, even though I've been redeemed, if I continue to root my life in the systems of this world, I bring myself under the curse of this world. And so if I say, I'm going to root my life in the culture of this world, the systems of the world, the politics of this world, all that stuff. If I say, this is my source, I'm going to root my life in this, I'm going to reap from that destruction. Look at this with me. Jeremiah 17. It says, cursed, cursed. How many of you want to be cursed? Nobody. Good. Good job. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who puts your confidence in man, man-made systems, man-made ways, man-made strength, your own strength, your ability to do this on your own, this person, this political figure's ability to fix all the problems. Cursed is the man who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from God. See, that's what happens. You root yourself in the world, you're going to turn away from God because you're looking at this stuff for your confidence. It says, verse six, that person will be like a bush in the wasteland. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in, a part, in the parched places, parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. Listen, the soil of this world is hard and it lacks the sustenance you need to be supplied with. And if you root your life in this world, you are always going to be left wanting. But there's a better option. Look at the next verse, verse 7. But blessed, somebody say blessed. blessed. Who wants to be blessed? Good. You guys read other services, it was like one person. I do. <laughs> 11 o'clock wants to be blessed. I like that. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. That means you trust in the word. That means you trust in the kingdom of God. That means you trust in the church. That means you trust in God's systems and his ways and his strength, not your own, his strength, whose confidence is in him. My confidence is not myself, it's in God. They will be like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. In other words, there's a, there's a continual source that you can draw from. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. And when, Jesus, or when this verse was, was written, Jeremiah, they believed that he was uh, speaking kind of metaphorically about an actual location that existed in Israel. It's a place called Gan Hashlashah. Gan Hashlashah. I've got some pictures of this place. It's this incredible place. Actually, people go to Israel and they go to this spot to like kind of hang out and spa for a day. So it's a place of refreshing. It's a place people go to. It's got these emerald blue pools that constantly, no matter what's going on, they stay at 82 degrees all the time. So it's this kind of amazing place. And, and what you can't see here is that this actually exists in the middle of a wilderness. So get this. 
This place of flourishing, this place of thriving exists in like a desert climate, in like a wilderness climate. How is that possible? Here's how. That place has a secret source. There are these underground springs below that are constantly feeding fresh, warm, 82 degree water to that place all the time. So no matter what's going on around it, no matter how dry it may be, flourishing takes place. Listen, this is a beautiful picture of who God wants to be in your life. And no matter what's going on around you, no matter how bad things may look around you, you can continue to flourish because you have a source of life, the source of life, God, continually springing up in your soul in the secret place, providing you with what you really need and you're drawing strength from God. Somebody say amen. amen. That's good news. You've got a secret source. And so if you're gonna live this show and tell life, you gotta live the hide and seek life. You got to make sure you're going to the Lord and connecting with him so you can go into the world and show people what needs to be seen. Listen, when you, when you live that life where you're flourishing like that in the middle of the desert, people are going to go, what's the secret? And you can go, it's the secret place. Yeah. Actually, that might be kind of weird. <laughs> that would be weird. What's your secret? The secret place. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. But understand this, Jesus lived the show and tell life. The Bible says in John, everything that Jesus did, he did because God was telling him to do it. Everything Jesus said, he said because God was telling him to say it. Colossians says it like this, Colossians 1.15, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Jesus lived to show and tell life. He was showing people through his life the heart of God, the nature of God, the love of God, the care of God. And, and he was telling people, there's good news. Everything he did. Now, the reason Jesus was able to live the show and tell life is because he lived the hide and seek life. Because he was continually slipping away to connect with the Father. Let me show you this. Luke chapter 5, verse 15 says this. Yet the news about him, talking about Jesus, spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. So, so Jesus is living the show and tell life. He's showing people the image of God. People are seeing Jesus. They're seeing him serve. They're seeing him love. They're seeing him heal. He's saying things that's, that are blowing their mind about the nature of God. They're seeing all this. And so people are seeing, and listen, this is what happens when you're connecting with God like you should be. People are gonna see you flourishing. They're gonna see the image of God through your life and they're gonna be drawn to you. So Jesus is super popular. All these people wanna be close to him. They wanna hear what he has to say. They wanna see what he's gonna do. And these people have needs, so Jesus has this large crowd of people around him and they've got needs. So what does Jesus do? Look at the next verse. Verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He often withdrew to lonely places. That word lonely is the Greek word eremos. It means solitary, deserted places, secret places. Jesus often. It means it was the rhythm of his life. It was a, a regular practice. It wasn't just something he did once a day. It was something he was doing throughout the day as needed. Often, he would withdraw. He'd pull away from the crowds. He'd pull away from the assignment. At least it seems that way. But he's actually pulling away into the assignment so he can fulfill the assignment. He pulls away to the secret place and he connects with the Lord. See, Jesus understood something you need to understand. Secret strength from God in the public place comes from secret time with God in the private place. And we see this on display. The very next verse, after Jesus has left this big crowd that's full of needs, 
He goes to the secret place. He returns to that exact same crowd. And it says in verse 17, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. So he goes away to connect with God. And from that place of connection with God, from that secret place, he draws the secret strength of God so he can go back into the public place and bring that secret strength into the public place and fulfill his mission and fulfill his assignment. You need to get to the secret place. If Jesus, the incarnate son of God, needed to, to often slip away and connect with God to fulfill his assignment, you better believe that you need to. So we're talking about the rewards, right? There's rewards. God wants to bring it to the public place because we're in the secret place. There's the reward of communion with God. There's the reward of God telling you secrets. There's the reward of secret strength that you can have from God. Let me give you some more rewards. In the secret place, you access the reward of the protection of God. Psalms 91 is like the protection psalm. Like it's the one we go to. Let me remind you of the first verse in Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He, abide, he, he who dwells there. You know what a dwelling place is? Where you live. You're going there. You keep coming back. You know, I, I have a dwelling place. It's my home. I keep returning to that place. He who dwells there abides under the shadow. Here's what that means. You abide under the protection of God Almighty. Now, some of you, you're struggling with fear. You're struggling with anxiety and the issues of this world. Listen, you need to get to the secret place because it's in the secret place that you come to realize, man, there's a God who, who's got me and he's with me. And, and may, maybe not everything's gonna go the way I thought it would, but in the middle of whatever I'm facing, I've got the protection of God on my side. Yes. Psalms 32 verse seven, Lord, you are my secret hiding place, protecting me from these troubles, surrounding me with songs of gladness. Instead of living a life of fear, God wants to fill you with songs of gladness, Amen. joy, peace. In the secret place, you access the reward of the protection of God. In the secret place, you access the reward of the peace of God. The peace of God. Now, peace can be sometimes hard to come by in this world, isn't it? But I've noticed something. When I sneak away to the secret place and connect with God, there's a, there's a peace that comes out of that. There, and there's a sense of belonging that takes place when I'm there, when I'm connecting with God in his word and he's speaking to me and I'm praying and I get into that rhythm of prayer with the Lord and, and he speaks things in truth and reveals things to me. There's just a belonging that I step into. Anybody else relate to this? You know why it's that way? You know why it's that way? Because that's where it all started for you. You started in the secret place with God. Before anyone knew you existed, God knew you existed. Look at this with me. Psalms 139, verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Yes. Verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Before anyone else knew you existed, whether you were intentionally planned to be in your mother's womb or you were an accident, I want you to know God knew you there. And in that secret place, he formed you and he established you and he loved you. And he invites you back to the secret place where it's just you and him. Because from that secret place, he wants to form you and establish you and help you understand the sense of his love for you. 
So you need to get to the secret place. There's a peace that's possible where you can come into that place of fellowship with the Lord and get that great sense of belonging that he wants you to experience in the secret place. You access the reward of the peace of God. In the secret place, you access the reward of God. Not the rewards of God. The reward of God. Like God is the reward. The Bible says this in Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. They will see God. They'll see God at work in their life. Like they'll have experiences with God where they know he's with them. They'll know he's for them. Pure in heart. Pure in heart doesn't mean you're perfect. It means your intentions are pure. In other words, it's kind of this idea. Maybe you've heard somebody say this before. I'm not just seeking God's hand. I'm seeking God's face, right? And I'm just seeking a handout, like what God can do for me. I'm seeking his face. When I'm seeking somebody's face, I'm seeking connection with them, communion with them. And God says, would you, would you come to me that way? Like, would you go into the secret place? And before anything else, before I get into all the things I need and all the problems I'm facing and all this stuff, before that, how about we just start with God? I want you. And you say, well, Pastor Josh, I don't, I don't really feel that right now. Well, start doing it and you'll start feeling it. Start going to that place and saying, Lord, I just, I don't, maybe I don't love you and want you like I know I should, but I want to. So Lord, would you, would you, I just want you right now. Before we get into all this other stuff, Lord, I want you. I want the one who loves me. I know it's true. I know you love me greater than anyone else. I want you. I want to be close to you. I want to experience your love and your heart. I want to just be close to you, Lord. I want you to have what you desire, which is a, a close connection with me. And the Bible says, when you do that, you get that. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. All your heart means with sincerity. When you go to the Lord and you seek him with sincerity, you can have him. And man, I don't know that sometimes we recognize how amazing that is. Like read the Old Testament. They didn't have it like we do. They couldn't just go to God. But thanks be to Jesus. Because of what he did on the cross, he made it possible that me and you through grace can be forgiven of our sin and we can stand before a holy God and we can have close communion with a holy God. Okay, so let me just put it this way. If I was to come to you and I was to say, there's a place you can go where you can connect with a person and this person is amazing, unbelievable, this person. Their heart for you even if you don't know them very well, man, they know you and they love you. And, and coming out of this experience with them, you're gonna come out of that and you're gonna feel a sense of strength. And, and your, your goals are gonna be like renewed and your heart is gonna be renewed and your spirit's gonna be refreshed and, and, and you're gonna have this peace in your life. And you're gonna experience grace. Like they're gonna look at you and they're not gonna look at all the mistakes in your life and say, you're such a loser. They're gonna look at you and, and love you. And by the way, this perfect person has this perfect love for you and they have every answer you could ever need. They know what you're facing and they know exactly what to tell you to help you navigate what you're facing right now. How many of you would show up for that meeting? Yeah. Listen, that's the secret place. It's the place where you go and you connect with a perfect holy God who loves you in a perfect way and who wants to exchange. There's an exchange he wants to make take place where you exchange the issues of your life with his goodness and his favor and his peace and his wisdom and his grace. He wants you to experience all that. And, and the problems and the questions you have, he has answers. But you need to get to the secret place. You say, oh, Pastor Josh, I, that sounds really good. But man, I am busy. Like... 
I got a lot going on right now in my life. And that sounds all, that's all good for you. You know, you're a pastor. That's what you do. Um, your kids are a little bit older, so I get it for you. But man, I'm in the, I'm in the middle of it right now. And I, I just don't have time to slip away to the secret place every day and spend, you know, all this time with God. Well, to that person that would say, I'm too busy, let me tell you a story. There's a lady named Susanna Wesley that lived in the 1700s. And Susanna had a bunch of kids. She had 10 children between like teenage years and like birth. And like the youngest was like breastfeeding. Like she's a busy woman, right? Anybody have little babies in here? A few of you? I know you, the nursery's full, so you have them, okay? <laughs> you people are having babies. It's a busy season, isn't it? Little kid's busy. She's got 10 of them. And her husband, uh, he actually gets thrown into a debtor's prison because he has some debts. So now it's this mom in the 1700s with 10 kids and no husband. She's busy. Like, let me remind you, 1700s. You can't just throw some dino nuggies in the oven and warm them up. Like, that's not a thing. I, everything, everything that you do, make it 10 times harder, and that's her life. So she's breastfeeding, trying to manage all these kids, trying to keep her home, like keep the family above water. Like, all this stuff is going on. And yet, in the middle of that, she values time in the secret place with the Lord. So the story goes that every day she would sit in a chair and she had this long apron and she would take it and she would put it over her head and create her own little tent of meeting. And under that apron, she would sit and she would pray and she would talk to the Lord and she would look at the word. And she taught her kids, if mom's under the apron, she's meeting with Jesus. Leave mom alone. And guys, in the middle of all that busyness, two hours a day she did this. Every day, two hours a day. I don't think you're that busy. And it's amazing because out of her home came two incredible men of God. One of her sons, Charles, became the number one worship leader of his generation, Charles Wesley. And her other son, John Wesley, became the number one revivalist of his generation and one of the founders of the Methodist Church. Why? Because they had a mom that had her priorities in line. And we spend a lot of time trying to get our kids in the right schools and on the right teams and the right programs. What if all that garbage ain't really up for it? What if there's a better way? What if we need to slip away to the secret place, connect with a holy, perfect God so we can go back to our children and show them what needs to be seen and tell them what needs to be said? You need to get to the secret place. Your family needs you to get to the secret place. Your kids need you to get to the secret. If you're married, your spouse needs you to get to the secret place. Young people, your school needs you to get to the secret place. Your teachers, your parents need you to get to the secret place. If you're in, a, 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 in the workforce, your, your job needs you to get to the secret place. Your employees, your employer, they need you to get to the secret place. The world, listen, the world out there needs you to get to the secret place. Because if you're going to be who you need to be in the public place, then the secret place has to be stronger than the public place. So where is the secret place? All right, I'll close with this. The secret place, where is it? Well, remember our definition. The secret place is where you get alone with God and spend time in fellowship with Him. It's the place where you privately commune with God. So where is that? Well, that can be a lot of different places. Now, I do think it's important to have a go-to secret place that you go to, but, you know, we also live on the move. And, and so like Jesus... 
we, we need to often slip away. And sometimes, you know, if you're over at work and you need to get to the secret place, how I many you know you can't just, like if your secret place is at home, you can't just necessarily leave. So that's what we see in the life of Jesus. Jesus had a lot of secret places. Sometimes his secret place was on a hill. Sometimes it was on a boat. Sometimes it was by a well. Sometimes it was, it was in a garden. Because Jesus often slipped away. You, you say, how, how often do I need to do this? Yeah, often. As often as needed. And so I, I have a go-to every day in my room at 5.30 a.m. That's my secret place. And I'm in there for a good hour. And Sarah, she's got in our den. She goes in there at 6 a.m. And she's in there for a good hour. Sometimes two. And she spends time in prayer. She spends time in worship. And so do I. And in the word. Communing with our amazing God. But that's not my only secret place. And it's not hers either. Sometimes my secret place is in my car. Secret place car is really good. If you'll turn off the radio. I'll pray. I'll talk to God. And sometimes I just drive in silence. And it's amazing how often God shows up in the silence. Speaks in the silence. Sometimes it's walking around my neighborhood. I like to go on walks. I'll walk and I'll pray. I'll pray and I'll pray in the spirit and then I'll just get quiet and I'll just look at nature. Because man, sometimes you look at the stuff that God's created and you just get that, that belonging. Like this morning, I don't know if you guys are awake. You're, you're the late service. But the sunrise was amazing. Like I woke up and it looked like this, this pink fire was going on in the, in the sky. It was, it was awesome. And you just see that and you're like, God, man, God is so good. Sometimes it's that. Sometimes my secret place is on the back of my little John Deere tractor mowing the yard. Sometimes it's down. I've got this little fire pit area where I burn all this, this deadfall. Sometimes I'm down there and I'm thanking God that I'm not going to hell as I'm burning all this stuff. There's been a few times I've come to church. I'm like, I wonder if they're going to notice like half my beard is missing. It gets hot. Here's, here's what I'm getting at. I'm often looking for opportunities to slip away, to get to the secret place because I recognize something. I am not my own source. If I'm gonna flourish in this world and show and tell this world anything worth anything, if I'm gonna show them who God is, what God's all about, tell them the good news of Jesus Christ, then secret place must be stronger than the public place. You need to get to the secret place. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today in this message? You know, sometimes I ask that question and I don't know what he may be telling you specifically. But you know what? I know this week. I know what the Holy Spirit's telling you. Here it is. You need to get to the secret place. That's why I kept telling you that. Because you do. You need to get there. Because there's a holy, amazing, perfect, awesome, full of love God who's inviting you to commune with him. Who wants to share with you his secrets. Who wants you to have a sense of his protection, of your belonging who wants to give you answers and lead you and guide you in truth, who wants to be near you, who, who longs for you to long for him, who has perfect love, perfect everything you could need, and who wants to fill you up so you can go into this world and make the difference he's called you to. So here's, here's what I would say to you. Don't just hear this word today and go, man, that was good. I know I need to get to the secret place. What are you gonna do to get there? What are you going to do to get into that room and close the door and, and, and create an atmosphere devoid of distractions, as busy as you may be, because you're busy, you're gonna make sure that you do this, that you get to the secret place. Lord, I pray that you would speak to every person in this room. I pray that that, that idea 
that you need to get to the secret place, Lord, that that would resonate in the culture of this church, that that would be a statement that we as a church keep coming back to. That when we're talking to people and, and, and they're new song people like us and, and they're facing stuff, as we're talking to them, we pray for them, we love them, but we also remind them, hey, you need to get to the secret place. No matter where we find ourselves today, Lord, we thank you that we have access into the presence of God by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Thank you so much, Lord. We love you. Praise you. Don't let, it, don't let us be people who take this for granted. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite the altar ministry team to come down at this time. If you're here today and you have a prayer need of some kind, we would love to pray for you. And I hope that out of this message today, you just have a sense of God's love. Like, can't you just kind of sense that? The love of God. God loves you and he cares about you. You know, we say here at New Song, if it matters to you, it matters to God because you matter to God. And so I don't know what you may be dealing with. Maybe you're dealing with some real frustration right now. Maybe you're dealing with some sickness in your body. Maybe you're, you, you need answers and you're not sure what to do. Well, that, one of the reasons we come down every week is because we believe what the word of God says. And we believe that there's power that is multiplied and released when we come together and we pray in faith with other believers. And so these guys are down here because they would love to join their faith with yours for whatever it is you're believing God for. And so I wanna encourage you, don't leave today with a burden. Don't leave today with an issue. You say, oh, this thing I've got going on, it's a big deal. Well, it's God. And you say, well, this thing I've got, it's not that big of a deal. Well, let me just remind you, the big deal stuff and the little deal stuff to God, they're the same. <laughs> like God is not looking at cancer versus like allergies and going, oh, I can deal with the, the, the allergies, but the cancer, I don't know. No, 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 it's all no big deal to God. He's God. So if you have a prayer need, don't, don't disqualify yourself from, from receiving what God has for you. Maybe you're here today, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never really come to know God like you should. You never surrendered your life to him. Whatever the case may be, we wanna pray with you today and help you to walk out the life that God has called you to. So don't leave today with any kind of prayer burden. Amen? Would you stand with me? We're gonna go back into a time of worship here, but this is your time. If you have a prayer, you need to go ahead and start making your way down to the altar. Lord, we love you. We praise you. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our church, what you're doing in our midst. And I pray that you would draw everybody who has a prayer need to the altars to receive what you have for them today. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening. For more information on our church or for more resources to help you grow in your faith, go to newsongpeople.com or download our app by searching for New Song Church OKC in the App Store.